What's going on? Welcome back to Warp Factor Fiction. That is right. It is July. It is summertime. Things are heating up. We're on to a new show. Finally. Now, I loved watching Enterprise. We went through it the past four months. But we're, like, it just feels so good. It fits different now that we're officially, as a rewatch show of the entire Star Trek franchise, moving on to a new show in the chronological order. So season one of Discovery. I am, of course, your host, Mick Manhattan, joined by the snob at galore, Mr. Ensign Tommy. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Yeah, man, I'm excited. This was a new show. We had some fun with it, right? Yeah, it was really good, I think. Yeah, you were really getting excited about it. And I think it was a different, like, because you really liked Enterprise. You got into it and, you you know, you had notes galore. And, like, we really went into it with that one, especially off camera talking about it. But this one, I think this was an introduction to what the new Trek looks like for you. Because you haven't really watched any of the new Trek other than maybe the J.J. Abrams movies. And Picard. Right? Well, yeah, you did watch Picard with me. You watched some of the first and second season, but you did watch the whole third season with me. And you've seen TNG. We've watched a lot of TNG in the past, things like that. And uh, so, yeah, this was, but this is one where for you, it was like your idea of like, oh, this is kind of the direction they're going in. So just first impressions of getting into that, especially coming off of, um, enterprise and that that's sort of being the old regime what did like what's the first impression of of stepping into alex kurtzman's world and and discovery it's definitely different they look more modern uh they curse a lot more <laughs> yeah they definitely. do i think the once that freedom sort of became available like on television you know because this this was really just for streaming um, you know, cause it was on C before it was Paramount plus it was uh CBS all access and Paramount owned that as well. And discovery was like their first big show, um, for just streaming, like when they were competing with Netflix and Amazon prime and everything. So this was like everybody's kind of big introduction. And then Picard was like very quickly after that. Now it's Paramount plus I have so many things discovery, of course, ending next year after five seasons it's, I know it was ending. yeah it's the fifth seasons are gonna be the last season so it's i've never seen seasons three or four so i have seen seasons one or two for me when i first watched this and i've only had one watch before this this rewatch i wasn't too keen on it i didn't love it i didn't love where they brought it i didn't like the look of the klingons it just I thought it was trying to be too close to what JJ did. And I didn't, not that I disliked what JJ did, but I liked that it was separate, you know, it was a different alternate reality, but keep my Trek Trek. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm coming around on it though. I watched this season with you and we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about it a lot more. We're going to go episode by episode rewatching. And I have to say, I liked it a lot more this time around. So. I mean, like, yeah, that can happen because where it's like, um, you know, different things. So like you might like have a different perspective on it. Yeah. And I, I think like I forgave a lot more of what I wasn't so forgiving the first time, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Like there, there were just certain things and I was not that I'm a Trek purist or anything like that. Like I do like the lot, uh, the Roddenberry principles and like what he was kind of sticking with. I think I got caught up in a lot of what people were saying about it. I did not, not the real bashing. There were some people out there really bashing it for being too woke and things like that. I didn't think that I came around on it though, because I was like, you know, 
there are like discovery of course is a ship that is way more advanced than anything else that existed at that time and for me that kind of bugged me a little bit Mm-hmm. But now coming back to it, I'm like, eh, you know, it's a show where they've done so many things. How many times have we time traveled? You know, how many times have we done this, that, or the other thing? Can I let this go? And I realized, yeah, I could. I mean, suspension of disbelief, just kind of let things go a little bit. It's it's a it's a fun show. I liked the cast and I liked the adventure they took me on in this first season. Mm-hmm. So overall, you coming into it for the first time, you really like this first this first season of Discovery? Are you looking forward to the second? I am looking forward to the second season. Um, I really like the design of Enterprise as well that they had that they showed at the end. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it still looks well, very similar but it's yeah. also more not looking like i didn't exactly like the design of enterprise at the beginning at first glance i don't know it just seems very plain and maybe like I should, maybe i should kick you off the show how about that no i'm just kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. no of course not of course not Everybody's entitled to their own i love that uh first ncc 1701 i love it that's that's my ship so, and I love it from TOS. I love that weird green look it has. It's just, you know, it, it's so beautiful. I love all versions of it, especially the DNA. I, I, I'm all for all of it, but that there's something about Kirk's first one, you know? I will tell you my favorite version of it, and we will get into it more, especially when we get to the motion picture, is when they do the glorified shots in the motion picture of the 1701. Uh, and and I can't wait for you to watch that because they do like a nine minute showing of the of the seventeen oh one in that movie, and the reason they do that is because it hadn't been seen on screen, especially the big screen. Because remember, it was a TV show; there was no movie, so it hadn't the the seventeen oh one hadn't seen, been seen on screen since nineteen sixty seven, and now it's nineteen seventy eight. Star Wars had just come out the year before had wowed everyone and they knew coming into this they had to kick butt because the enterprise was like such a huge fan favorite of Wait, a ship Star-, Star Wars was 77 the first one new hope yeah, yeah. you didn't know that I thought I that was know. like I thought that was 80s hey no I'm kidding <laughs> no it, um it, well of course Empire my favorite right there um that was 1980 and then there was 83 was return of the jedi so they were 80s but what kicked it off was new hope in 77 and that that's I what thought return of the jedi was like 87 88 no return of the jedi 87 no 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 we I thought had, prequels were 90s the first prequel was the phantom menace was 99 you might get you might get mixed up a bit because they did re-release the original trilogy in the 90s. And they had special edition versions. So so was it just like better effects and such? In some instances. I'll just say that. <laughs> Let's just leave it there. Han shot first. That's all I'm going to say. But we'll get there. I've no, I've shown, I've shown you. You've seen the special edition versions when you watch them, um, but I do want to show you the because I have them on VHS. I have the original versions, but this is a Star Trek show. We'll get to the you Star Wars. You still have VHS? 
I have certain. I don't have the VHS. I, I wish I did. I used to have over five thousand VHS tapes, and not all of them only had one movie on them because a lot of them were recorded on. Because back in the day, you could record them. Well, I know I'm telling you because you don't fully understand VHS, but um, back in the day, you could record on VHS, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not all of them. Not like when you went and bought a certain movie from the store, but you could buy blank VHS tapes and record. So we'd record movies off of like HBO or whatever cable. <clears throat> so like I would have two or three movies on one tape. And I had over 5,000 tapes. So think about that. So now a lot of them were one movie. Like I bought it in the sleeve and everything. <clears throat> and did you have a lot of dupes, like duplicates? No, not a ton. No, because you didn't need duplicates. You didn't buy them, you know, or you, you knew what you had. I had everything cataloged. And then when I started transferring the DVD, all of those I I could get in DVD. I did. And then when Blu-ray came, I was like, nope. <laughs> I can't afford to keep transferring over. So I kind of, I bought everything in Blu-ray that I really wanted. You know, like just everything. Like what? Like like the Star Trek movies. Kind of segue back to the show, but like the Star Trek movies, Star Wars, you know, all my favorites that look, just look beautiful and high def. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I, I went back and Marvel movies, I started buying in Blu-ray and stuff like that. I have most of the uh first um phase uh you know because i I don't need them all because i kind of skipped over the blu-ray and went right to um collecting and streaming now i love physical media and i would love to but i have kids you know that because you're one of them (laughs) so i can't afford to keep buying all that physical media anymore but i still do have a lot i did eventually have to give up the tapes because I just could not house them all, but I kept a bunch of them that were really special to me, and three of them were the original Star Wars. Why don't you, uh, did you sell them for a ton of money because they're ancient, and ancient artifacts are sold for a ton of money? Like It's it's like you set out to hurt me, <laughs> and it, it just it doesn't feel very good, and I just want you to know that, um, you oh. know, from a standpoint of an old man, you call yourself old. I, I know what I am. <laughs> but all right, let's get down to it. Let's talk about some discovery though. Let's let's hop in because everybody who's watching or listening right now, we appreciate you. Thank you so much. Um, I hope you guys are having a great time. Uh, this is War Factor Fiction. Just so you guys know, this is our Patreon exclusive show. It's out on Patreon uh, exclusively for you wonderful supporters for the first month. Uh, and then it will be available on YouTube or in podcast form afterwards. Uh, thank you guys so much for all your support. Um, all of that support helps us run the scene snobs, kind of keep things going, keep the lights on the whole nine yards. Uh, this show, you know, we really love Star Trek and watch, and we know a lot of our fans lo- love Star Trek as well. And it kind of helps us kind of come around and keep going into the realm of, you know, talking about this and, and just like connecting. Like I love being able to connect with you on Star Trek. You know, there's so much of it you haven't seen. And even in that last episode where we were talking about uh, the fourth season of Enterprise, and you came up with the like what your morals that you learned from each episode floored me with some of the stuff you were saying. 
Like, I loved it. And I love that you're picking up on this and bringing it into it. So that's why we love doing this. So thank you guys so much for watching and listening. But let's get into the first season set, shall we? I'll start with episode one. Mm-hmm. All right. The Vulcan Hello, episode one, season one of Discovery. While patrolling Federation space, the USS Shenzhou encounters an object of unknown origin, putting First Officer Michael Burnham to her greatest test yet. Now, this is an episode where Michael Burnham, who is the first officer under Giorgio Filippo, I don't know why I can never say her name. We kept doing this all throughout. Filippo Giorgio. Filippo Giorgio. I knew it, too. Like, I know this. I love Michelle Yao. I love her character in this. I can't wait for the Section 31 movie. And I mess up her name. Like it's going out of style. It drives me crazy. That's why I'm so glad to have you here because you you fix those things for me. <laughs> I don't even have to keep up with it. Um, so yes, they are. They encounter uh, the Klingons. It is a huge encounter, one that they haven't had in a very long time. Uh, they do not know how to deal with it. Michael Burnham, who was raised by Sarek, Spock's father, um, goes to him to ask, how did the Vulcans deal with the Klingons? And he tells her, they are an aggressive species. They are a war warlike species, and we fired first, and that's how, like, a respect was garnered. She puts that to the test, goes against everything that Starfleet, her her captain Philippa Giorgio, and uh, her entire crew believe in, and <laughs> pulls a mutiny to fire on the Klingons first. Let's get into this first episode. What did you think about this first episode? It's a it's a big one. It hits hard. It is a a big one. Like it is really a lot for the first episode. Like the first scene of it, like on the desert planet, was kind of like relaxed. Kind of what I thought was the episode was going to be like. And then you get the next part of it, which is just like starting a war. And such. So I thought it was going to be more of like yeah. an exploration. Well, I open it up so much. Yeah, because like before you get into the to the next uh, episode, which Battle of Binary Stars, which is the big one, that is the big confrontation with the Klingons, you're correct. And it, and it leaves so much. It changes the scope of what Starfleet's going through and everything that's happening. It really leaves its mark. But the fact that we're getting our first time a mutiny happens on a Starfleet vessel. Now, we've talked about it before, yes, in the Hatchlings episode of uh, Season 3 in Enterprise. There, they did pull a mutiny against Archer. I We don't really count it, though, because the difference here being Archer was under control of something. It wasn't himself. They knew that because they knew him well, and that's why they had to take over. And he understood that once he became himself again, he was like, you did the right thing. Like this needed to, like, I wasn't me. This needed to happen. Mm-hmm. And then you turn right into um, this where they're all of the right frame, mind frame. And we even learn later, like probably wasn't the best option here. This, you know, in any way, shape or form, but mm-hmm. it was coming to a head. She did what she did and it was mutiny. And and that was that's why it's considered. Yeah. 
Plus that 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 first mission. I mean, come on, NX01. Eh, it was a wild west. You got to let it go. <laughs> so <laughs> things go. Well, so okay, so we get to it. What did you? Th- so for you, you thought with what you thought about this episode, everything kind of being thrown out. You see the relationships building between everybody. You know, Philippa and and Michael Burnham are very close, like almost like mother and daughter. Um, there's there's a love there. So this is a huge betrayal in a big way. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to the mutiny, how did you feel about the character interactions of the bridge crew? Uh, how did you feel about Michael Burnham coming into this? I think she's like kirk in a way because like she'll break a ton of rules and such but like she has good intentions i am it's kind of what i thought of michael burnham at this point i am so glad you said that because for me when people say that about kirk they don't know kirk it but it's forgivable for you because you're young and you only know kirk through a point of watching episodes with me or what I've talked about. I have always respected Kirk because he's a kick in the door type of guy. Um, he's, he's a jump into action. You know, he doesn't always think things through, you know, like, but it's, he thinks things through to his capabilities. He realizes he's not the smartest guy in the room. Mm-hmm. He knows that, but he trusts Everyone who's in the room with him. He knows Spock is the smartest guy in the room. He knows Bones is super smart. He knows Uhura is going to take care of business. He knows Chekhov's going to do the same. He knows Sulu will get them out of trouble. He trusts his crew. He knows Scotty is going to make sure that that ship's running, no matter what, even if it's on duct tape. Mm -hmm. So his strength lies in the fact that he can trust his people. If he kicks that door down, he's kicking that door down. Like the no win scenario, like a lot of people mm-hmm. seem, I think, seem to, and they talk about it in the show, the no win scenario. So that's why I'm kind of bringing it up. And I like the comparison you made between her and Kirk because Kirk is alive at this point, you know? Mm-hmm. So I really like this idea of, of what you said because Kirk is the type of guy where he's thought about it. He may not have an answer right away, but he's thought about it. But he's also the guy who trusts the people he trusts to mm-hmm. help him get the job done. You know? Mm-hmm. And he knows when to push and when not to push. He's He may be a kick-the-door-down type of guy, but he also knows when not to kick the door down. Mm-hmm. And he also knows when somebody he, he trusts says, don't kick this door down. It's not a good idea. If he knows they're right, he won't do it. But if he knows, if I kick this door down, we're going to get the results we need, then he'll do it. Mm-hmm. He's an effective leader. And I think that's where your comparison comes in. Michael Burnham right now is on her track to be an effective leader. I think the mutiny was the wrong choice. And by the end of this season, she's become way more of an effective leader. Mm-hmm. because she made the wrong choice. She didn't trust in the people around her. She trusted somebody else. Like she trusted her father's, which not taken away from Sarek, but even Sarek was saying to her, like, that's what we did. 
I'm not telling you to do it. That's just what we did. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm not saying this is going to work in your scenario. She just chose to take that advice because he was like somebody she revered and looked up to. So I really like that comparison you made, but you're going to learn so much more about Kirk that I really think you'll appreciate more as we go on that no win scenario is effective because Kirk doesn't give up and he doesn't, he'll never lose his faith in his people, mm-hmm. you know? And, and that's what a lot of people I think forget between like a perfect example of that is Rathacon into search for Spock. The reason search for Spock exists is because Spock knew to mind meld with bones and leave his Katra in him. So that way there was hope that he could survive mm-hmm. or at least move on, you know? So that's why it could exist. Point being, we're going to go on off on tangents, but like, so we get through that. That's what that is. <clears throat> I love your comparison of it. And I think that's where it's going to, that's where we kind of get to. She does become an effective leader because she learns mm-hmm. from all sides of the leaders around her. All right. We got, let's go to a uh, second episode. Wait, but we had a new key character. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, key character. For or the show. moral. Uh, mine for well, yeah. I want to hear your moral. Let's let's talk. Okay, key character. Um, what did you think of this episode overall compared? Um, and the moral you took away. It's definitely a lot different than like any Enterprise episode. Mm-hmm. The closest would be like one of the Zindi War episodes to this. Yeah, if you're getting into war, there's a lot of tension here. And then what I took was, um, don't believe everything you hear. Okay. Because it didn't work for Burnham to take what Sarek said, so don't believe everything you hear. I don't know that. Maybe I would take that and and, and just tweak it a little bit, because it's not bad advice. Don't believe everything you hear is good advice, and that's a moral you should hold on to. In this instance... I would say be adaptable to what you hear. So like if you're catching advice from somebody who maybe even not there, which he wasn't mm-hmm. and not going, you know, and they may have been through something similar, mm-hmm. you have to adapt it to your, what you're going through, who you are and your morals and principles, you know? Right. The Vulcans don't have the same morals and principles that Starfleet has. And and that's why I'm glad we watched Enterprise before that, because we saw those stark differences. Humans have very different ways of handling things. And that's why, in some instances, the Vulcans are like, you guys are more effective in that way. We just handle it logically. If logic dictates, press this button, blow them up, we're going to press this button and blow them up. We're not even going to question it. You question it because you value things differently than we do. Mm-hmm. And that's what I liked about it. And that's where by the end of it, and when Michael Burnham's making that speech about what Starfleet is, who Starfleet is, and why she made the wrong choice, you learn that value of like, maybe it wasn't bad advice, but I should have adapted it to who we were. And I should have trusted my my crew. I should have trusted my captain and my crew. So I definitely like that. So who's your highlight character? Burnham. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Burnham for sure. She's going to be a highlight for a lot of them, her and Philippa. Um, all right, second episode. Let's uh, let's kind of push through. Battle of the Binary Stars. We've got a big battle here. Things are going crazy. 
escaping from the brig uh, while the ship is under attack by no easy means. If you've seen this episode, you understand. Burnham joins the captain in an audacious plan to end a battle rapidly into an escalating war. It ends up with Burnham and Philippa going to the Klingon ship to uh, try and stop him, try and stop uh, Takuvma, um, who is leading to who is leading this and and i'm gonna butcher some of these names everybody so please bear with me but they go to try and stop takuvma um you know because every starfleet is getting decimated in this battle and it's a last this effort uh philippa does get killed in this and uh michael burnham by the end of it is looks like she's going to prison <laughs> and there's a lot of dead starfleet <laughs> Uh, what did you think about this episode? I liked it. I liked it better than the first one. I don't know. I feel like it was a good it battle. Was a little better. Yeah, I like this episode too. It's very high octane. Lots of stuff mm-hmm. going on. I think it's a good representation of what a space battle would be in an in a scenario like this, mm-hmm. which is very in your face, very up close. Um, there's a lot of other really good, like um, when we get to the. Battle of Wolf three five nine and and other ones you kind of see that as well. So mm-hmm. uh, this was Battle of Binary Stars is up there. I thought it was a really good episode um, and it ended well and it kind of took us in a different direction. So I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's your highlight character for this one? Again, Burnham. Giorgio for me, Phil, uh, Captain Giorgio. She oh. she died, of course. You know, sad, but uh, I think she did a really good job. After everything Michael Burnham did by trying to navigate through this battle. Now, Michael Burnham did a great job in this um, show. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, uh, this was one of those ones where it was like, I thought I thought Giorgio uh, um, shined brilliantly. So, mm-hmm. But uh, nothing against that. I think you made a good choice, too, especially with her narrow escape from the brig. <laughs> what's, a, what's a moral you took from this? Uh, kind of like this time it was like rules aren't always right. I don't know. It was kind of like I and feel it's like okay if you don't have one too. But like, yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying with that. Do you have one or no? Not really. No. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I get it. But if you do, uh, let me know. Or if you think of something along the way, let's talk about it. Okay, episode number three. Context is for kings. Burnham finds herself aboard the USS Discovery when her shuttle going to the prison colony is beamed aboard. Uh, or actually, I should say, pulled aboard. Um, whether she quickly real, uh, where she quickly realizes things are not as they seem, including the mysterious Captain Gabriel Lorca. That's right. Now she's on a Discovery, which is a ship that's very different than anyone that she's ever been on. I like how they explain the darkness side of it. Why is everything so dark? Because mm-hmm. everything in Star Trek is always light. You know, always really has been very light. You know, there's mm-hmm. lights everywhere. You know, it's it's not meant to be so dark. But in this, Captain Lorca, the discovery is dark because he has uh, issues with his eyes. Now, mm-hmm. he lost his entire crew when um, he lost his entire crew when his ship went down in the Battle of the Binary Stars. Uh, no, he, I thought that was before. <laughs> no, he was it was battle, wasn't it? No, it was the battle. Yeah, his his oh. ship went down, and that's when things got switched and he came in then he got discovery discovery uh is one of two experimental ships that are working with spore drives it still has its warp capabilities but the spore drives 
help it um, teleport from one place to very far away uh, and instantly. It's in, it's an interesting way they're going about it. Um, she meets the crew. There's Stamets, who is the engineer working on the spore drive. She meets Tilly, who's her roommate, who desperately wants to become a captain one day. Um, so she's very, very analytical mind, very friendly and bubbly. Uh, mm-hmm. Sweet girl. I shouldn't call her. She's a woman, so a sweet woman. But everyone is younger than me. I either call them girl or boy. <laughs> like, I think it's the old person in me. So, you know, you get a lot of, you get a very cool cast of characters kind of jumping in here. But Burnham doesn't understand why she's there. But Lorca has plans for her. Mm-hmm. So the mystery is kind of growing. What did you think about this episode? I didn't like it as much as the other two. It's a slower pace. Yeah, I mean, you, you just came off with two really intense episodes. And then this one. Uh, and Saru. Oh, I forgot to mention. We didn't even talk about Saru. Saru, of course, was third in command. Uh, he was a lieutenant. Commander. No, he, was, he was a commander, but he just not the first Burnham. episode. He was a lieutenant commander. Oh, I thought he was Burnham commander. was the commander. When she got knocked uh, back, he be, he stepped up. He was he was the third in command. He was the, then he became commander, and then after the battle of binary stars, he became commander of Discovery. That's right. So he stepped in. So like the he he was up in the ranks. So he was the first officer on. Uh, and by this time, he's first officer on Discovery. So, and he cannot stand Michael Burnham. Like he watched so much of his crew, and a lot of the other members of the Shenzhou are on there, are on Discovery. And it doesn't quite add up. You're like, well, why did so many end up on Discovery? Once you realize that Lorca wanted Burnham there desperately, you get why he would like pad it with members mm-hmm. of her crew you know, try and build that trust. So, uh, who's your, um, who's your shining character on this? Burnham. Burnham. She was very good in this. I liked Lurka though. Uh, I thought he was good. Everybody did a really good job. Everybody really kind of shined on it. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, I, I think I'll go with Burnham on this because she was so much in the forefront on this one and she was dealing with the brunt end of a lot of things and Sonequa Martin-Green did some really good acting in this. So, What's a moral you took away from this episode? That change can be good. I think that's kind of what I put. I like that. That fits pretty good. All right. Let's move on to the next one. Episode four, The Butcher's Knife. Cares not for the lamb's cry. Uh, Hell of a heavy title. Um, With tensions and stakes high as Starfleet continues in their efforts to end the war with the Klingons, Burnham begins to settle in her new position aboard the USS Discovery. She is a science specialist. She is assigned to help with the spore drive. Uh, That is like her goal and how Mm -hmm. she does things. Nobody really trusts her there, so she's kind of on her own. She's really only connecting with Tilly, who's just a very friendly person, and Lorca, who is still very mysterious. And she's just adapting to the life there, like what's going on and trying Mm -hmm. to figure out what's happening with the Klingons. As I go on, for me, my shining character in this is Burnham. I think she did a great job, but Stamets is really cool too. Stamets is amazing in this. I also have Burnham though. Um, what is a what's a moral you took away from this episode, and what did you think of it? I really liked it. I have some things should be left alone because, like, there were some things that I think that should have just left alone. Like what? Elaborate. Um, sir. 
Mm, like the tardigrade and such. Yeah, all right. I get that because the tardigrade, like once that comes into play and they grab the tardigrade, yeah, it becomes like it's cool because... how they play into it, but I just don't think you needed it. No, I meant like not like because they didn't need it, because how the security officer was like taunting it. So she should have just left it alone and she wouldn't have gotten brutally killed. That's true too. Yeah, all right. I like that. That's a good moral to learn. And and plus she learns if she did through Michael Burnham being nice to it, she would have been fine. But mm-hmm. all right. Uh, then Lorca, of course, get uh, while on a mission. Uh, oh, w- sorry, we're going to episode five now, uh, season one, episode five. Choose your pain. While on a mission, Lorca is captured by the Klingons and unexpectedly finds himself in the company of a prisoner of war, Starfleet Lieutenant Ash Tyler, and a notorious criminal, Harry Mudd, played by Rain Wilson. Uh, this is an interesting episode because you have them all caught, they're in a Klingon cell. Um, you're finding out more. Ash is a a Starfleet officer who's very kind of mysterious a little bit. He's been there for like nine months or something like that, I think. Yeah, like seven months yeah. for the USS Jaeger. Yeah, you were all about that, man, because we were talking a little bit. Like, you liked Ash at first. I don't know how you felt by the end, and we'll get there, but um, you did really like him. Uh, Harry Mudd was a cool addition who was just this guy kind of ruthless out for himself. Uh, Rain Wilson, I thought, did a good job. But Lorca stepping in and kind of seeing how he plays the game and then their exciting escape while watching the crew of Discovery try and figure all of this out while figuring out the Spore drive as well and the Tardigrade. Yeah. Uh, how was this episode for you overall? I, I By this point, just to kind of, for me, this is these three episodes, these past three episodes, they're good and we're catching a lot. It's a lot of character development, which I like. But it is slow amongst the Klingon War, and the mm-hmm. mystery, the whole mystery side of it, felt like all right. We're not getting a lot of answers here, but it, we are getting cool character development. I just wish we had a little more answers. Would you I think? F- I feel like for the beginning of it, it was at the beginning it was Klingon War setting everything up, and now for the f- next few episodes, like up to now and maybe an episode now. It's more uh, character development, yeah. Yeah, because once once it builds and once it hits, you get to it. But like the choose your pain thing, uh, just for anybody who hasn't seen it, the Klingons go in and they t- they ask other inmates to choose their pain, and you can choose for yourself and be noble, or you can choose somebody else in the cell to get their pain. And it, it usually doesn't go well. So uh, it's been pretty crazy. Uh, who's your highlight character in this one? For me, it was Lorca. Lorca. Yeah, I, I think Lorca was good in this. I really like Jason Isaacs in the role. Um, and Harry Mudd was good, though. Uh, I really liked his character, as ruthless as he is. Uh, what's a moral you learned from this? I didn't really have one for this one. You're not going to cho- Your moral isn't choose somebody else for the pain? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but are Klingons real? Is am I gonna get abducted by Klingons and and get asked to choose my pain? Uh, probably. I really think that's gonna happen. I'd watch out. <laughs> All right, let's move on to uh, episode six. Uh, Le- Leith, um, the USS Leith, the USS Discovery crew is in- is intrigued by new addition Lieutenant Ash Tyler. Sarek uh, seeks Burnham's help 
rekindling memories from her past. Admiral Cornwell questions Lorca's tactics. So basically what's happening here is Sarek was on a mission to meet with the Klingons, uh, her hopes for peace. It was being brokered uh, by another alien race, and they were hoping to meet and kind of broker a peace you know, for Starfleet and humans. Well, that goes wrong because uh, another Vulcan traveling with him, which was a, an extremist, tries to blow him up. He is laying hurt. Uh, and because years before he mind melded with Burnham, they have that connection and he's mm -hmm. calling out to her. So through her, through her memories, she's trying to decipher where he is so they can, so the discovery can get to him and save him while, um, <laughs> I know there's so much going on while, uh, Admiral Cornwell is on board. She is questioning Lorca and kind of his motives and what he's doing and the decisions that he's been making. Because uh, she just doesn't see him acting the way he used to. And that is a big indicator of a lot of things because they've been friends for many years. So mm -hmm. it, it was kind of exciting to see this episode and see where, how it plays out. We get a lot more about Sarek uh, and, you know, that and the family. We don't see Spock. We hear about Spock a bit. Uh, mm -hmm. I like the idea of, for him, it was, he had a choice. Do we let Michael into uh, the science academy, who is human? They adopt her as a human. The expedition course. You went to science academy. She went to science academy. The Yeah, yeah, you're right. The Vulcan expeditionary um, uh, uh, um, team. And they were willing to accept her, but they said, we'll accept her, but you can't have two that are part human. like, like Or you know, full human. Like, no, well, they'll, we'll accept her and say, okay, we'll accept this full human, but we can't have Spock who's half human too. So you have to choose one child who gets it. And he went with Spock, feeling like he failed Burnham because he went because Spock was his blood. And that was always his failure, his secret. And, and he always felt guilty about that with her. So that was like a big thing. And that was like a big source of contention in this mind meld when they were going through the memories. And I love how they kind of came together in the end on this and how it played out for both of them. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it really felt like a family moment. So I, I like that aspect. And I like how even at the end, he's like, and both of you joined Starfleet anyway. It didn't matter. You know? <laughs> so it's like, I should just let you go. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. What did you think about this episode? Who is your shining um, character? And then we'll get to the moral. I like this episode. It wasn't the best of this. It wasn't the worst either. See, I, I like, I, I agree. I disagree. I, this is one of my favorites. I really liked how they started answering questions and hyping things up a little bit. Yeah, that's why it's not one of the worst. I don't know. I just feel like there were too, there was too much happening at once. Mm, I gotcha. Okay. Uh, who's your uh, uh, your character who shined? Burnham. Burnham, really? Okay. Mm -hmm. See, Stamets was really good in this. Saru was really good in this. And Lorca was good. I, I mean, almost put Lorca. But I'm, gonna I had... say, I'm going with Lorca on this. Because even by the ends, when he sends Cornwell, when Cornwell's going to like dismiss him as captain to... Like help because she she realized suffering from PTSD, mm -hmm. um, or but she or is he? But um, she decides to go on the peace mission mm -hmm. because Eric is injured. 
Uh, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting case. It's, it's, I like how they played it out. I thought it was, I thought it was really well how they did it. And I liked how Lorca kind of played onto it. Uh, you know, he didn't send her into danger because he didn't know it was going to happen, but it, it's, he sort of prevailed from that. Right. So, um, Cornwall got captured. I'm going to do my best Admiral Akbar impression. <clears throat> it's a trap. It's a good one. I like it. As you guys can see, we're fans of both here. <laughs> and that's okay. You can be too. Uh, all right. Next episode is episode seven, Magic. To make the sanest man go mad. As the USS Discovery crew attempts to let loose at a party, an unwelcome visitor comes aboard, bringing about a problematic and twisted sequence of events. And yes, it, so just so you guys know, it's Harry Mudd. He is back. He has somehow figured out how to make them go through a Groundhog Day type of situation where they're reliving the same 30 minutes over and over again. And mm -hmm. Stamets is the only one who knows what's happening. And he starts to connect with Michael Burnham and he figures out a way where she can start to remember and start help to stop it. It's very interesting. I loved this episode. I love the Groundhog Day. I know you don't know that reference yet because you haven't seen the movie, but. Well, I know the reference. I haven't seen it though. But it's just that reliving every day sort of over and over mm -hmm. and over again. And they keep doing this Harry Mudd's way of taking over Discovery so he can sell it to the Klingons. And he needs to keep reliving that 30 minutes over and over so he can learn everybody's weaknesses and completely just take it over and make Lorca suffer, mm -hmm. which is what he ultimately wants. I love this episode. I thought it was great. I thought I thought how everybody coming together at the end, the whole crew coming together to stop Harry Mud was fantastic. Uh, who who shined in this uh, for you? Stamets. Yep, I was going to say the same. Stamets for me. It was Ash Taylor was almost Ash Taylor was almost uh, really because he. Yeah, I thought he did a good job. He did a good job. I wouldn't say he was even top three shining. Top three shining was Stamets. Uh, Burnham and Lorca for me. Oh, I, I, yeah, I mean, yes, but those are the core three. And thinking outside the box, I would have put Tyler on there because he did a good job and he's starting to gear up more by this episode. But Stamets, all the way, because he did a fantastic job. Um, yes, Anthony Rapp was great in this episode, he's great in every episode he's in, but he in this episode, he really shined. <laughs> all right, episode eight and Consequently, the end of this episode, but we're going to keep going. Let's push. Civis Parsum Parabellum, and I probably butchered that, but this is episode eight. The USS Discovery is tasked with a high-priority mission to the planet Pavo to learn the science behind the Klingon's cloaking technology. Pavo is a, you know, they find out that Pavo is a planet where it's alive, you know, all of the beings on there are, you know, it's it's the planet. It all works together. And when they get down there, it's Saru, Tyler, and Burnham. And Saru connects with the people of the planet. Now, Saru's Kelpian uh, species are very, they're born in fear. They live in fear. They're usually a slave race. Uh, he is one that you'll find out in the second season does uh, has escaped and that's why he's part of starfleet and he's he's sort of a different rare breed um compared to the other kelpians he uh he kind of goes through the motions and and does this but he feels no fear on this planet because the whole planet 
makes him feel safe. He knows <laughs> everything is connected. So he desperately doesn't want to leave because he's all his rational thoughts are kind of being overshadowed by the fact that he no longer is living in fear for the first time ever. Um, and so he's definitely trying to stay. Once they realize that it's the planet that helps with the cloaking and helps with this and the communication stuff, it the whole point is it doesn't want the confrontation. It wants to heal confrontation, you know? Mm-hmm. So they ask for it to build like a communication array so that way it can reach out to discovery and get off the planet and they do the planet does that but not only do they reach out to discovery they reach out to the klingons so they can bring them together and try and stop the confrontation (laughs) and that's after they get past saru who has gone crazy i thought this was a really interesting uh away mission episode Mm -hmm. i didn't love it but I did really like the character development, and I and Saru is my my top character in this, mm-hmm. for sure. I really like the acting in this. Doug Jones did a great job. Um, yeah. For you, like, what did you think? I liked it. It was one of the for me. It was good, but it was not the best episode. It was probably top five in my bottom. Yeah, all of these episodes are good. I don't think there was really a bad episode, but there weren't. A ton of great episodes, either. I get that. It's it's because it's all connected. Like you got to remember a lot of what Star Trek that we watch and that you see go on. DS Nine's a little bit different, and so is Voyager. That that's when things started to kind of connect. There were still the Monster of the Week episodes, as we kind of call them, but mm-hmm. things started to really connect where there was an overarching, like the Dominion War or stuff like that. TNG had that with the Borg sometimes too, but it was very much every week was like something different going on or somebody else shined. These shows are very much, let's focus on this. This is one storyline we got to fix throughout the entire series because it's only usually like 10, 15 episodes. So that's why you're going to get a lot of episodes where it's like, okay, the overarching storyline is we're going through the Klingon war and we have a lot going on. This episode, we have to focus on this part of it. Mm-hmm. So that's I really why hope they do something different with Legacy. Because I feel like every time that it's a show about Enterprise, it should be like 20 episodes a season. <laughs> I like your way of thinking on that. But we'll see what happens. Legacy, hopefully it happens. Please make it happen. Come on, Paramount. Get it together. Uh, we know you can do it. But Hopefully right, season so- one will be out by the time we reach there because... That will be a while, though. Yeah, because it will still be down the line. Um, Saru was mine. Who's your... Uh, it was Saru. Uh, who and what was the moral you, you took away from this episode? Uh, perfection isn't actually perfect. I like that. That's a good one. Either, either that or like perfection isn't what you think. I like that a lot. That's very good. Very good, buddy. Um, and hold on to that because that's a, that's a, the, learning these things early is, is really good life lessons for you. All right. And, and Star Trek is a great way to learn them too. So talking about that, uh, I, I do want to mention at the end of this episode, when they do call the Klingons, Discovery realizes that the Klingons are going to destroy Pavo because that's who the Klingons are. And Discovery is like, well, we're the only ones here and we can't let this planet be destroyed. And I, I thought... Burnham's impassioned plea of like we can't leave or they'll die because they're not going to stop transmitting because they're trying to stop the confrontation 
we are Starfleet. We have to stay in, we have to make a stand here. I really dug that aspect, and that's why Burnham is a close second for my character in this, but Saru just overall I thought was great because he was really pushing to keep him safe too. I uh, have Burnham as my and for for I thought you said it was Saru. For this one, no, last one was Saru. Episode eight. I'm still on episode eight. I, I haven't gotten episode in- nine yet. No, 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 no. I haven't gotten there yet. Oh, we'll sorry, there. sorry. No, no, no. You're good. You're good. You're good. So I'm still on episode because this is the end of episode eight when they're like, we got to stay. We got to protect them. And then it gets into episode nine. But, yeah. So Burnham yeah. was a close second. Well, now we know who it is for episode nine. But with that being said, this was episode eight and we're going to end it here. So this is this episode of Warp Factor Fiction. Hope you guys are really enjoying this. We're having a fun time. I understand that with these shorter seasons, these episodes might be a little shorter for you guys, but hopefully you guys will have a good time with them, um, mm-hmm. listening to them or watching them. We're having a good time doing them. We're connecting with here and we'd love to connect with you too. So make sure you're commenting along, join up on the discord. Let's talk about it there. You can follow mm-hmm. us on social media. If you have any questions or you spot something that maybe we didn't talk about, we'd love to hear about it. We love Trek. We want to hear and learn mm-hmm. from you guys who are fans as well. And if you guys are fans, head over to snobs merch. Com. We have some cool Trek, uh, <laughs> let's just say Trek-inspired stuff. Of course, we can't just straight up use anything from Trek, but we did some, come up with some cool designs that have some Trek-inspired stuff, so hopefully you'll like those. And we have tons more as well. And check out the Scene Snobs channel and our other podcasts like the Scene Snobs podcast some more. We have great shows that we think you really like and enjoy, and we love to hear what you guys think. So head over there, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure to hit like if you're watching this or rate and review us on our podcast if you're listening to it. Um, it really helps us go a long way. We do have a Patreon, the Scene Snobs Patreon. Uh, we have six tiers available. Of course, this is where you can listen to this for the first month. Um, you know, And we have our Discord and all that. Every link is down below in the description. We truly appreciate you. I wish you'll just go take a look. If you see something you like, Maybe hit follow, maybe you don't, whatever you want. We appreciate you. Until next time, I'm Mick Manhattan. I'm Tommy. And we will talk to you guys later. Have a good one.